All right, friends, back again. Uh, this is Father Alex, and Father Gary is with us, and we got uh, Father Colby back with us this week. Um, and we are here to talk about a rule of life. Um, part of this is our uh, Sunday morning spiritual formation hour where we're um, working on crafting a rule of life. Um, and this is um, kind of leading up into Lent, which is another time to think about um, practices and rhythms um, as we undergo the church year. Um, so I guess the first question I have for you guys is um, the most basic is what is a rule of life? Well, a rule of life, I guess, is a little bit what it's come to be for us is a rhythm or a pattern by which you order your life. Um, I kind of blended a few different definitions and that I gave Sunday, an intentional ordering of your life that cultivates the ground from which you experience the presence of God and grow in his likeness. So it's, it's um, yeah, how do you establish... Um, things in your life that allow fruit to be produced. And so it's not a, a mean, it's not the end itself, but it's a means of the end. And so the, it, it acknowledges that we actually have to think about structuring our lives in particular ways. Well, that just sounds like legalism, mm -hmm. right? That sounds like you guys are about establishing laws and rules, and Jesus set me free from the, <laughs> yeah. uh, the laws and the of Moses. And so how how do you justify, right? It doesn't say make, you know, 1 Corinthians doesn't talk about making a rule of life. How, how can you justify or why would we do such a thing? Yeah, well, Martin Thornton, who is, has just been so influential in English spirituality in, in the last century, he, he, he talks a lot about avoiding the, that very thing, avoiding legalism. He, he doesn't want – I mean, a rule is a help, not a hindrance. It's, it's the means – it is the means to an end, not the end itself. It is liberating. It is embrace, not promise. It is meant to avoid legalism. Like it, when we talk about, you know, giving up chocolate, it's like, why did you give up chocolate? I don't know. I just thought I was supposed to give it up. And then at the end of Lent, you're like, oh, look what I did. You know, we don't want a rule of life to be that. We, we don't want this to be about accomplishing your goals. We want this to be about um, taking on practices that help you become something. It really is a way of life. That's what regular uh, rule of life actually means regular. It's a pattern. It is a rhythm. It is not a rule in the way that we think about rules. And so, of course, you say rule of life and people automatically think, oh, man, we got to make rules. It's hilarious because we always suggest making a rule of life in consultation with a spiritual director, mostly for that purpose. Everyone always shows up with a bunch of rules. And you're like, how does this help you live become this sort of person that are like i don't know i just made up that rule because that's what we do we make up rules <laughs> and i think too we can we can even like uh, just critique uh legalism itself in a in the sense that it's legalism is actually naive about what a human is uh it, it wants to say oh if i do x i've you know, got spiritual merit points. I got a tally in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. um, oh, if I, you know, forego um, alcohol for Lent, then I've built up some kind of, uh, you know, spiritual treasury of merit. 
Um, and often le- with legalism, it is accompanied by some type of inflation of the self it, it, where we have essentially reduced spirituality to a game of quantifying righteousness and comparing. And with it, it's uh, the, the naivete, I would say, is that it fails to see how the kind of lives that we actually live are forming us, that we're malleable, uh, that we uh, are uh, we're, we're the type of creature that our destiny uh, is in some way shaped by g- the God-given and God-like uh, freedom and dignity of human freedom that we have in creating and cooperating with the Spirit in the lives that we live. And uh, legalism, I think, is just naive about that. And uh, also, I think, you know, that kind of anti-nominalism, uh, to throw a big $5 <laughs> word out there, anti-law, you know, anti-rules, anti-anything, is also naive um, because it doesn't understand uh, that charity uh, has a certain shape in the body, uh, has a certain certain way of relating to money, certain way of relating to the poor. And we can't have that formation of charity without acts of aligning ourselves with the commandments that Jesus gives, that he bab- you know commands us to baptize and teach everyone <laughs> to keep. Um, and so, yeah, we're, so we're kind of in a, in a rule of life. We're kind of talking about uh, a razor's edge, you know, if we go on the right or the left, uh, we're probably off track. So a spiritual direction, I think, is a good way of kind of mi- mitigating that tendency. Yeah, Fleming Rutledge, I think in Advent, she talks about how the preacher should never use imperatives or questions when they're closing of like, do this, or are you re- are you going to do this, this, I'm challenging you to do this, because if you're doing it, then you have reason to be proud. And if you don't do it, you have despair. But it's not this kind of the language he used, I think, is like invitation. Like, God wants this. God's mm-hmm. already doing this. And he's inviting into in, in you, he's inviting you into this way of life. And I think we can view a rule of life this way, right? It's like God is making you more like Christ. Mm-hmm. He's inviting you into this life. And a rule of life just kind of structures our life in such a way where we can properly pursue the end that we want. Mm-hmm. So that takes us to end and goals, right? What What is um, perhaps the goal or the end or the purpose of a rule of life? Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, going back to some of the everyday monk um, things that we've talked about as a congregation um, and the Celtic understanding of the pilgrimage uh, – is to walk until you feel like there like there is no destination. The destination, the goal is to walk with Jesus. And so when you feel like you're walking with Jesus, that's where you stopped. And so the goal of the rule of life is to is that is really intimacy and experiencing the presence of God. Um, and so that is the objective is is that we would be drawn into, like you said, participation in in Christ, not just becoming like Christ, but we become like Christ by participating with him in the things that he's invited us to, to do. Um, and so that could be things like, um, okay, how are we going to structure our prayer life? How are we going to structure the way 
we spend our money? How are we going to structure our um, need for uh, relationship and community? How am I going to serve? All of these things are not like you get to the end of the checklist and say, yes, look what I did. Alex Zander Schmemann talking about Lent is like, if you if that's the if that's the end, then you've missed it. Like the goal is to be walking with Jesus. Yeah, the reward is walking with Jesus, and so being able to talk about things that need to go from your life, things that need to be moderated, and things that need to be added, it's a really helpful practical way of thinking about that, and and then listening for the Lord, not saying. Okay, here's what I need to do. But to listen for God to say, here here are the ways that he's inviting us into his life. And if you give him space, things will be revealed, Um, but not just to make up rules for rules' sake. And I have no idea what your question was. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Um, Sounds like you need a rule. (laughs) (laughs) Not listening very well. You use the image or the metaphor of a trellis mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday for a rule of life. Do you want to kind of expand on that or kind of what did you mean by rule of life as a trellis? Yeah, I I actually came across this and I think a podcast is a helpful image because I think the regular, regular actually comes from that image. Uh, well, as a rhythm and pattern, it is developed on the analogy of a trellis. And so we talked Sunday morning in our um, class about that image. And we just, it was really fascinating to go around and say what comes to mind. You know, that we need, like, like Colby said, like we actually need structure not to prevent us from living our fullest life, but to actually thrive and bear fruit. And so a trellis gets you off the ground. One of someone says, like, it frees you from the the dangers that are on the ground, whether it's disease or, or um, bugs or whatever it is that seeks to destroy a vine, and to allow our lives to inter be interwoven into this thing that allows us to bear fruit. And there are things that need to be added, moderated, or let go of in order to be to thrive. And part of that's being connected to the vine, which is Jesus. Um, and so I love that. Some people talk about scaffolding. Like we need these structures on which to build our life. They give us a foundation. The other thing about um, trellis is it is the thing that allows us to grow upward. Mm-hmm. So the tra- trajectory of it in itself is is helpful to think about. So you, if you think about a trellis, like a grid, and you you design your life to to go upward, and then if you think fruit beginning to blossom or bud off of that vine. What is that fruit? What are the things that that are, need to be structured in your life to produce those things? I, I think that's a great image. Um, I often think about rule of life and connection to freedom and the classical view of freedom being that uh, freedom is connected to nature, so our human nature. And you might say that we are free to the extent that we can actually manifest fully our our human nature. And of course, this human nature is given to us. It bears the image of God. And so freedom is connected to that which it cultivates our truest nature. And so no one would look at, you know, trellis that's growing tomato plants 
and look at that and say, my goodness, it is just hampering those tomato vines. You know, (laughs) what what a shame. Um, And that the the human person uh, functions very much the same way. Yet our modern tendency is to view anything like a trellis, anything that gives or invites limits or constraints that we immediately and outright um, judge it as infringing on our freedom. Right. And, and it's often because we have a very different understanding of freedom today than, you know, the early church did. And so part of, like, recovering the rule of life is also having our own imagination about what freedom is, what the Christian life is, and that part of that cultivating that kind of life is surrendering uh, willingly to constraints. And, you know, I, I heard an example like breathing is a constraint, you know, that we, <laughs> that we have as human beings. Uh, I can resist that, you know, by holding my breath right now, um, but that's not going to do much good. Well, we also have other conditions of our life that the church and these monastic communities understood. Eating uh, is part of our the human condition, sleeping, working, um, all of these things, that there's a way that we can actually surrender to these things that is actually formative. And, yeah, I think that's a great, a great image, the trellis. Yeah, and... Like to connect those things too, I think. So Galatians 5 talks about for freedom, Christ has set you free. Mm-hmm. Right? You're free. That's the reason Christ sets you free is for freedom. But only let your freedom to serve one another. Right? So who are you really true to, to serve your neighbor, to serve your brother and sister? Which goes to this idea of excellence of freedom, right? Freedom, there's a, the, the negative view of freedom, freedom from constraint. There's also the positive view, freedom to or freedom for actually doing an excellent thing, right? So we think about this in golf or Mm -hmm. piano, right? You you go to the driving range and you practice and you practice and you practice so that you're free to hit it on the fairway, right? You play the piano scales over and over and over again, not to play the piano scales Mm -hmm. so that you're able to play the excellence of Beethoven or whatever. And I think our lives are structured the same way, this idea of pursuit of excellence. And then, right, to go to the trellis, right after... Freedom, Christ sets you free. Use your freedom to serve one another. Um, the works of the flesh com- compared to the fruit of the Spirit, right? Here's what you can accomplish in your own manufactured way. Idolatry, adultery, <laughs> sin. Here's the fruit of the Spirit that was a result of abiding in Christ, which is true freedom. Mm-hmm. Love, joy, peace, patience, kind mm-hmm. of stuff. True, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think those things are even connected biblically in, in Galatians 5. Um I want to jump to uh, our idea of everyday monks because this is kind of the central image that we're kind of massaging out. Um, Gary, you kind of ended with um, some some ways that a rule of life connects us to this idea of um, everyday monks at Redeemer. Um, you want to share those or anything you want to expand sure. there? Yeah, um, I think um, – it- a, reg- a rhythm or regular, the rule of life is not just meant uh, for personal devotion, but the things that, you know, remind us that we belong to each other. And so th- there should be some ways that we are talking about having a shared rule of life, things that we commit to as a con- congregation who belong to one another, belong to Christ. 
Um, so we talk a little bit about um, the life of stability, committing our lives to one another, committing ourselves to our place. So that's a very broad rule based on the rule of St. Benedict. Um, and then you would sort of listen for the Lord. How, how can I more fully commit to this place? How can I more fully commit to this, these people? Um, and then observing shared rhythms of prayer. Um, I would love to see our church, one, um, to commit themselves to the daily readings, at least to start with the prayers in the back of the Book of Common Prayer, year two. We're all on year two right now. The date's all there. There's a psalm and an Old Testament and then uh, right now an epistle. And so how do start somewhere? I would love to see our church start by maybe just reading a psalm if you're not if you haven't started and then be able to work your way up grow into reading all of them and this is important there's a variety of different reading plans out there but we would share we sh- we share life by reading the same readings and so we often in the office bump into each other and we'll say did you read that passage this morning that was crazy what is it about what in the world work will be now how are you going to teach this tonight evening prayer stuff like that and so the value of of sharing rhythms of prayer and reading um, reading scripture in the context of community we're not meant to read it alone in isolation but also self-examination confession um, pursuing uh, spiritual direction or confession what are the rhythms that we're that we would like to share in, in those in that regard, and then extending radical hospitality to our neighbors and to one another, um, caring for, for each other by sharing our our houses and by tithing, uh, budgeting for generosity, those sort of things. Even things like oh, when someone needs a meal, giving them a meal, stuff like that. And then uh, the fourth value is uh, giving careful attention to how our space forms us and just thinking more about where we worship, where we live, where we work. So there are like there's a personal devotion element based on the Book of Common Prayer. There is a um, communal element, um, the daily offices, and then the Eucharist. And so what when you're forming a rule of life, there's both of those aspects involved. I think one thing that is really beautiful about this like explicitly within our context like in the anglican tradition um and something that's peculiar to this tradition the the elegance of and just the composition of the prayer book and how the prayer book is is one hallmark that is like a a glue or a bond that holds together personal devotion and then also our common life and it was i mean and of course the the roots of that going into uh, benedictinism was precisely that that this is what christian living is it's it's uh, our own personal in earnest devotion to christ and it's the way that that is shaped in the context of not just our own life and our own labor but in the context of community and whenever we lean in to that uh, with the ways that Father Gary just brought up, um, I think that there's fruit that I don't know that it could come about any other way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no. You know, we're, we're, uh, uh, to have this kind of spiritual, liturgical, sacramental container 
is is a real it is a real gift and there's unity shared not just in simply praying the same psalms or reading the same um, scriptures um, but knowing having the knowledge that this is a shared uh, desire a shared practice um, and and everything that that entails and so I think that that's something that's unique uh, yeah about and, and the goal isn't oh I'm going to go to evening prayer every week the goal is that by going to evening prayer we're becoming something mm-hmm. and so what is the fruit that's that's the goal and these things are making us into something and, and like Colby, Father Colby is saying like we shouldn't be naive enough to think that these things just happen um, but we need structure one thing that I like to do is is to talk to my directees about um, asking their spouse and their friends what is it that I always say I love to do but it makes me feel closest to the Lord but I never do it but after I do it I'm always like why don't I do this all the time like we need structure sometimes to make those things happen, whether it's exercise or anxiety, like the, how that helps with anxiety and the way we we can establish rhythms and like what are those things? I, I think we need we need a trellis. Yeah, yeah. I think there. I mean, when I was young, I think uh, there is like the uh, goal of or the ideal of spontaneity. And I remember um, discipling a young guy one time, and he was like, "Well, I don't want—I don't want you to schedule something with me. Like, if you really care about me, you would just call me and hang out." I was like, "There is no other way that I could love you more <laughs> than by scheduling you and saying this is our time together." Right? Yeah. There's structures, and I think like more and more as I get older, it's like I. I sometimes like feel like I'm begging people to tell me what to do, right? Because mm-hmm. when you have all of this freedom that modernity promises, you have choice, 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 choice. There's some some limits that are just good, and I think um, so. Bob Odenkirk, I may have shared this before, but he's the uh, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul guy. He got his start in um, sketch comedy, right? Something new every night, kind of like you're always just kind of off the top of your head going. And he said when when he hit 30, he said. Um, I just wanted to show up at the same place every night with my friends and do the same thing over and over. uh, And I feel like that's the liturgy for me. It's like, I'm done with like making this up. I want to gather with my friends and do the same thing Mm -hmm. over and over again. And there's something deeply restful about that for me. Um, Great. Any any last comments, last words here? Um, Yeah, I would just encourage you all to come out on Sunday mornings as we talk about it. This week we're going to talk specifically about how the Book of Common Prayer um, establishes some of those rhythms. And so we'll walk through um, BCP 101 basically. And then, then, yeah, we'll actually fill out a grid that will give us uh, some time to start forming this. I, uh, I I couldn't remember. Uh, well, I heard this quote from my former bishop Todd Hunter. I don't know if he got it from. He tends to quote Dallas Willard or Eugene Peterson a lot. So I'm sure. I don't know who who it's from, but it stuck with me. And he always reminded the clergy in our diocese that saints and sinners grow out of the same soil. And I think that that to extend the metaphor, you know, with this trellis, that um, what we're doing. Uh, here is we are trusting that God is already present and already at work in our lives and 
uh, taking heed of this invitation um, to, in earnest, cultivate our daily life, cultivate our week, our month, our family, uh, the words that are shared at, at mealtime, before bed. Um, I mean, the, all the kind of the intake of information that we're uh, taking in every day and to harness the spiritual potential of all these things uh, that, uh, that really, yeah, saints and sinners grow out of the same soil. And that this is a rhythm of grace. I mean, it, it's the rhythm of the gifts of God. And I, I think that if we imagine our Christian living as anything other than that, we're probably getting entangled in all kinds of, <laughs> all kinds of knots. But yeah, this is really good. Yeah. Really good. And maybe to end, I think I maybe ended this last week with Dorothy Day, who said um, she wants a society where it's easier to be good. Mm. Um, and so she established the Catholic worker for that. And I think a rule of life does that. It, we want to structure our life where it's easier for us to make good decisions. It's mm-hmm. easier for us to be good people and pursue that excellence of Christ-likeness and Christ-witness. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, friends. We're done here with the rule of life. See ya. Coming up with something else. Yeah. I was told by Lizzie that I need to stop signing off like I'm hanging up with people on a phone call. All right. See ya. All right, bye. So how do I do this? Um, I, I can't, How do you sign off? I need some tips. <laughs> Goodbye from Nashville. <laughs> I, I, I decided I was going to cut uh, Father Gary off mid-sentence, but I was uh, – <laughs> Too late. Yeah. Okay. I will do. Bye. Bye. <laughs>